Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to Sunday Sean Talk here at God and Country. The Collision of Faith and Politics will be on tomorrow, 4 to 6, but we're here today. The difference between tomorrow and today is guess what? Today is our first day of video. Mama said I had a face for radio, and it's true. Uh, many out there are uh, going to affirm that. I don't know how many people can actually see it. Uh, I guess you log into Facebook.com, God and Country Show. Uh, click like while you're there, and uh, there's a call to action on there. Click on that. You can subscribe to the show, and we'll give you updates and all of that. Um, we are glad the guy behind the camera was the brother that we've been praying for for months and months and months, back from uh, parts unknown and and uh, over overseas. So welcome back. Glad to have you. We've missed you. No offense, but mostly we've missed the food. Oh, but no, maybe maybe too, but the food is really important, as you can see. So um, we really appreciate you being here, and we missed you while you were gone. You definitely uh, you make a big difference, and we do, and, and we love you, and we're glad to have you back, and we're proud of you for what you've done, and all of our compatriots that are over there. So we have a special for the Keating family. Uh, Navy SEAL uh, was killed this past week uh, in Iraq, so it's, uh, we are sore, even though the President of the United States He's not. One quick thing, if you're watching this or listening to the to this show for the first time, or this, uh, talk for the first time, you're going to realize very quickly that this is not a politically correct uh, speech or church service. There's a lot you miss, by the way, if you're in the Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey area. Um, you'll want to realize that we have a lot of really incredible food here. Folks all noshing here. You can't see it on camera, but folks noshing on some good pizza, made beans and franks and salad. Um, we've got, uh, well, the eggs, the deviled eggs last real fast. I mean, they're just going quick. And uh, we have some treats and all that kind of stuff over here. You used to have but you're not here, so that's with your dinner. So I'm going to get right into this because um, now let me just tell you really quickly kind of the genesis of this speech. Uh, it came about through conversation with the great Bill Federer, uh, William Federer, uh, really a, a, an extraordinary man. Many of you have heard of or many of you read every uh, the stuff that he does. What the matter is, so you hear him speak, you're kind of blown away. Well, he's been a show, and he's become a friend, and uh, this is important issue. And 
and and I believe that the, such an important that it needs to be repeated. By repeated, I mean all Patriots Delaware group. I was invited by uh, named Karen. She's the leader of that group. She invited me. To people came from all over. People came from far uh, here had to come. And what I'll say is this, that um, we went past nine thirty, and uh, I was. Fun and not at all fun sort of way to deliver the information is not fun at all. But but I would say that the response was tremendous, and so many people said, "Want to record this?" I said, "Well, I don't want to just go and see it and record this. I want to it live again to my kehala." What you will find a little bit different is that while this has scripture and uh, a lot of in it, also has a lot of and, I, and I'm going to use. I use them, uh, some religious inferences to other faiths, uh, but the fact of the matter is, is, is we are really in a fight uh, with Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Let's talk about that. We'll dive right in. Uh, chat is open. Welcome to chat. We thank you very much for joining. So we're going to get started. Islam has always been a part of America's life. Who do you think said that? That's right. Barack Hussein Obama before 2009 in Cairo, Egypt, to an audience of 1% Muslim. A world-renowned historian, Ellison, Minnesota, to the United States. Now, let me say, Minnesota. Minnesota has one of the highest population in the United States of Muslims. And very, very close. And Somalians, too. Yeah, it's really, really, really uh, an intense uh, gathering of Muslims that have no intent to assimilate into our society. More about that in a minute. But Keith Ellison of Minnesota was the first Muslim elected to the United States Congress. How I say, the first Muslim acknowledged Muslim, the first out Muslim. Niraj Wiraku, Detroit Press. And, uh, oddly enough, Christmas. This is what Keith Ellison told his supporters. And, and, and I'm being for real when I'm reading this verbatim. I don't want you to, in any form to uh, take this as something I'm doctoring up. This is verbatim word. what he said. Keith Ellison uh, of Minnesota said this to his Muslim supporters. You can't back down. You can't chicken out. You can't break. You've got to have faith in Allah. And you've got to stand up for a real Muslim of Islam while campaigning to the general public. Most voters are too afraid of being called a bit or a racist. And so they neither vetted Ellison or said anything about his militant anti-American beliefs. Not that it would have mattered. Because I voted not, but twice, Barack Hussein Obama. Ellison on to tell his now 100% Islamic audience. Remember, the general, we got to appeal to everyone. But when you get in little meetings, there's a little enclave, like, I'm about you. I'm about you. This is. We're going to We're going, by the way, welcome Ohio, New York. We've got, we've got all kinds of places represented here in chat. 
So tell your friends. Keep doing this. We're going to continue to this verbatim again. We're going to continue to face them. They're not going to stop right away. But if you and you stick together, if we believe in Allah, Allah, if we turn to the Quran for guidance, we'll find an answer to the question. We have they and there are you. They and there are the are the non-Muslims. They and there are you and me, and we are the sworn enemy of Islam. We are infidel. Now, I use the term wa uh, ta'ala, and uh, Muslims often, if they're writing, if they, if they uh, will write of Allah, they will follow with the letters SWT, which stands for sub Hanahu wa ta'ala, or glory to him, the exalted. So just so you know, that's that's what an American Allison is saying. He's not saying glory to God. Bear in mind, we don't worship the same God. Don't let Muslims tell you that we worship the same God. Don't let non-Muslims who are ignorant of the facts tell you we worship the same God, because you know what? We don't. Now, if one turns to the Quran for guidance, and we can accept that the Quran is the holy book, similar to how the Holy Bible is for us. The difference being is Muslims read the Quran and they listen to Hadith, which is the, the, the spoken word that's come down uh, over over uh, centuries uh, about the Quran. But if one turns to guidance, turns for guidance to the Quran, now I, I want to be clear on this, both here in video and audio and here. Can we all agree that the Quran is a sacred act for Muslims? And so, if it's in the Quran, then we have to believe that uh, there, it's intentionally there, and this is what they follow. This is what Islam follows. This is what Muslims follow. And so, we can follow that logic, which I think naturally follows. Keith Ellison is saying what he intends to say from their sacred text to his Muslim audience. Now, what we also should know is that Keith Ellison went on to, and it's never happened, although it's now happened since, Keith Ellison went on to use a two-volume English translation of the actual Quran owned by Thomas Jefferson for the swearing-in ceremony. He didn't swear in on a holy Bible. The scriptures, Judeo-Christian heritage and family, he swore in, not just any Quran. He swore in using Thomas Jefferson's Quran. Now, you're going to hear a lot of people tell you, and again, ignorant has two definitions. Oh, he's ignorant. Usually down we say ignorant. That's ignorant. Uh, but ignorant of the facts. They're generally ignorant of the facts, and I would say hopefully so. There's way too much access to facts out there, to knowledge and wisdom out there, for us to be ignorant of anything. Lots and lots of information. There's a reason why Keith Ellison used Thomas Jefferson's Quran. It's not because Thomas Jefferson, as the ignorant folks say, was a closet Muslim. It was because you've heard of the Marine Corps hymn, the shores of Tripoli, uh, Falls of Montezuma, all that. Uh, 
that came about because of the Barbary pirates, and they were Muslims, and they were from Libya, and they were taking our holding them hostage, and we were paying ransom. It was a good business they had going. Problem was, a lot of times they just steal everything. If they liked it, they wanted it, they'd steal it, or they think they just kill all the kill all the sailors. So Thomas Jefferson said, "Man, this is a committed." enemy, I've got to learn something about them. What is their holy book? Tell you what, let's do. Let me go ahead and get a holy book. Well, if you're Thomas Jefferson, you know uh, how well-read Thomas Jefferson is, one of the greatest libraries in the history of man. Um, he, You don't just give him a paperback or the Kindle version. I don't think anybody would ever have given him a Kindle version of the, of the Quran. I think that would be offensive to him. So they gave him a beautiful, they obtained for him a beautiful uh, double bond set that stood the test of time. Talk about well-constructed book. Taking the Library of Congress, it was handled in a spec. It was according to all of the, you know, non-Muslims aren't to touch it. Blah blah blah. Anyway, we'll talk more about that maybe in a little bit. I don't get too mad. So, what we know that Muslims do, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in just a minute. But Muslims, when they conquer a land. They want to take away the sacredness within that land. They want to, if they conquer a place that has religious artifacts or symbols, guess what they do? They blow up the symbol. I'm going to have me some water. I'm going to go Rubio. I hope that uh, I hope the sound is a little better. I'm very sorry. It's, we're going to figure something out. We'll figure something out. Uh, let's see here. We'll adjust that a little bit. Um, anyway, so what they'll try to do is, I'll give you a good example. Here's a good example just for fun. Everybody here remembers, raise your hand if you remember 9-11. Right? 9-11, we were attacked, I don't know, by Muslims. 19 Muslims. One of the things they did was they flew into the trade towers, brought all the towers down, killed a bunch of people, uh, hit the Pentagon, uh, went to a field. There was a total of seven attacks, because that's how they operate, and seven attacks. Planned. We put other ones just by granting everybody really quickly. And, but ultimately, we know that Ground Zero, as it's called, is they can get all the bodies out. So that is, in essence, sacred ground. Many, many people of many different faiths memorial there. But what did the Muslims attempt to do? They attempted, and mark my words, they'll do it again. They attempted to build one of the largest mosques in the world right there at Ground Zero. They say, no, 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 it was very far away. It was very far away. We just wanted to have a, an education center of all faiths. Big fat lies, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Big fat lies, but they, they wanted to take Jefferson's, Ellison wanted to take Jefferson's volumes of the Quran because that is ultimate victory, like dance on the grave of what they've conquered. And I don't think you could find much better of a founder than Thomas Jefferson. Anyway, I could preach a whole sermon in, or maybe a whole series. Maybe I have. Maybe I have. And if I have, you might find it on theninjapastor.com. Okay, so I think that we should probably make the stipulation that whether you're reading from the beautiful two-volume set of the Quran of, that belonged to Thomas Jefferson that's been kept in the Library of Congress for all this time, or you're reading from one you downloaded free from USC.edu, uh, totally free of charge, any lot of other places, whatever one you're reading, virtually the same, the English translation. The tran what I'm going to read is an agreed 
compilation of the translations, the most recognized translations. So when I say I'm reading to translation, what I'm what I'm actually doing is reading a, sort of a compendium of translations that have been agreed by Muslims, agreed to by Muslims that this is the most accurate we do. Now, I'm going to say this now for both audiences, for all three audiences. I'll use a term. It's called Umdad al-Salik. And Umdad al-Salik is the reliance of the traveler. 345 page, I think it's like that, really long book that was written by Muslims for Muslims to explain in detail, and I mean in detail, the Quran, what it means, what the context was, how it applies, how you apply it, gives you some examples. This happens, you should do this. If you deal with this situation, Al Salik, all you've got to remember is the reliance of the traveler. So we've balanced all of the translations against all of these different docs, what we know to be true. I said all of that to say this. It's very important for you to know I'm not twisting or bending or altering any way what I'm about to read you. It's going to come at you rapid fire because we're limited on time. You're going to find, no matter what version you read, very concerning uh, verses. Now, they're called surahs in Islam. Um, the chapters are called surahs. Uh, the verses within are called surahs. Here you go. I'm not kidding you. I'm reading this verbatim. Believers, take neither the Jews nor the Christians for your friends. Surah 5, Infidels are those who declare God is the Christ, the Son of Mary. That's Surah 517. Infidels are those that say God is one of three in the Trinity. Surah 573. How many in the room at home say God is one of the Trinity? We all believe in the Trinity. Guess what that makes us? Well, it makes us infidels. Okay, here we go. We're just going to go on with this uplifting, uh, these uplifting verses from the Quran. Make war on the infidels who are around you. That's Surah 9, 1, 3. Now, let me say this. I'm just going to be real honest with you right now. All this jazz about they just want to get along. They just want to be part of us. And people will say, well, I know Muslims, and they, you know, we, have, we have barbecues, but not pork. I mean, we don't argue pork because we're not... We're not ignorant. Uh, maybe the first time we barbecued pork, and then we saw the look on their face. Like, Whoa, okay. Never mind. Beef ribs from here on out. You know? uh, they're hot dogs, I swear. You know, that type of thing. But people will say, what the most common thing said, I'll just say it's just for fun. The most common thing said about the hijackers and the participants of 9-11, all Muslim, by the way, by the Americans, they live near some as many as 10 years, folks as many as 10 years, that could be when they were interviewed to say, hey, you know about your neighbor. Well, why do you ask? Well, because we believe he was involved in 9-11. Well, that can't be. That dude was just drinking and partying with me. I mean, you know, in fact, they went to strip club on, on September 10th. I don't know any of them's going to strip clubs. You know what I'm saying? They was drunk and everything. Boy, they, they're fun people. They were all right. I mean, they were all right up until about a week ago. Something changed. And then they kind of go, oh, wait a second. Remember the San Bernardino uh, shooters? I don't want to say shooters, murderers. Shooters connotes that the gun had something to do with it. The finger that was on the trigger and the mind, the evil, uh, is what did the shooting. Those folks, the San Bernardino shooters, were given a party, a couple parties, a bridal party and all these other things, these beautiful things that these people did, gave them gifts and everything. There were a Christmas party there. 
And they decided, hey, this is the time. We're going to go shoot folks up. We're going to commit, anybody know the, the term, jihad. We're going to talk more about jihad in a second. But these infidels, it says, make war on the infidels who dwell around you. Surah 923. I'm not kidding you. It's what it says. Well, does that sound like, now war is not make fun or, uh, you know, enjoy your neighbors, hang out, do a barbecue, uh, help them if they're hurt or whatever. Does it sound like that? It doesn't sound like that. It's pretty clear. Make war on the infidels, not the ones you don't like, not the ones that are, it's the infidels. To be clear, Surah 4 101. The infidels are your sworn enemies. Now, here we go again. The infidels, not some infidels, the ones that are nice, the ones you live next to that you get along with really, really well, and they're very respectful. No, it's all of them. It's all of the infidels. It's the infidels. That's Surah 4101. All right, let's go on since this is so much fun. When you meet the infidel in the battlefield, strike, well, that's not fun. Surah 47.4. Does that sound like a bunch of folks that are bent on assimilation. Does that sound like people to you that are people that we can get along with or that have any intention of getting along with us? But maybe, may, well, I'll wait. I'll let that come a little bit. Muhammad, this is Surah 4829. No, wait, let me go back. Did you hear the part about striking off their heads? Did you hear that part? Surah 47.4, when you meet the infidel in the battlefield, Strike off their heads. What strike off their heads are? Not slap them upside the head like Curly or Mo. What's the other one? Curly or Mo? Watch them when I was a kid. Larry, Curly or Mo. I'm not talking about that type of thing. I'm talking about cut heads off. Smite the neck with the blade. Now hold on. It says, but in the battlefield. Well, the only people that really have to wear people in the battlefield with Christmas party, uh, where people were being nice. Was that a battlefield? Out in the Midwest, a 56-year-old grandma sitting at the front desk of her company where she worked, and this Muslim comes in that worked there at 11.05 and cuts her off, literally cuts her head off. Does that sound like a battlefield to you? Well, you say, well, I don't understand. Because to a Muslim, a battlefield is anywhere they encounter resistance. If they come in and say, hey, I want you to convert to Islam, you must, or I'll smite you at the neck. And you go, I'm not... I'm not converting to nothing. Guess what you've now declared? You've declared this a battlefield. Anywhere they go that they disagree with, it's now a battlefield. Anyway, there's more fun stuff to learn. Surah 48.9. Muhammad, Muhammad is Allah's apostle. Those who follow him are ruthless to the infidels. Now, that doesn't sound quite like, well, I have a lot of friends that are Muslims. People say, well, what about those people? I have friends that are Muslims, and they're nice. Well, I wouldn't say, mm, maybe not nice, but I cut my head off. They, they're, they have regular jobs. They do good jobs. They do nice things. Should, are you saying I should be mean to them? Are you saying, saying I should be ignorant to them? Are you saying, What are you saying? I should be scared all the time? No, but keep an eye on your neck. Because they are sworn, they are a good Muslim. They are sworn to this. They're sworn to this. More about that in a minute. How about ruthless? The surah says ruthless to the infidel. Those who follow him are ruthless to the infidel. Man, that doesn't sound like family. That's not going to come into a church bakery uh, or church uh, bazaar. Prophet make war on the infidel, surah 66.9. 
profit, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, not profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, but you know what? Muslims are making massive profit all over the world. How are they doing it? They're seizing oil fields. They're looting banks. They're taking from banks in Syria billions with a B, that's 11 zeros, billions of dollars. They're collecting jizya tax. We'll talk about jizya in a minute. Uh, look, it's it. This is bad news, folks. This is I've not said a, a happy thought yet, have I? From the Quran, <laughs> kill the disbelievers wherever we find them. So I thought I, this one would be happy. It's Surah two one ninety one. Kill the disbelievers wherever we find them, folks. Come on, is that simple? Does that seem pretty direct, right? If this was a Christian Bible and we were to go in and say whatever name we want to have for our faith, right? We want to make up a name, Shawnism. Right. I, I follow Sean. So I go into my workplace and I say, hey, you know what? I think we should kill any of the disbelievers in Seanism wherever we find them. Well, how long do you think I would last? Not very long. But what if let's change it up a little bit? Let's just say just for fun. What if what if somebody from Ohio just said, Infidel is my middle name. <laughs> Bet I know who that is. Uh, so here's the thing. What if I, I went in my Seanism and I said, you know, one of the tenets of Seanism is gay people. Can't have any of the gays. Can't have that. We just can't have it. You know, we have to kill the gays wherever we find them. We have to kill the transgenders wherever we find them. Do you find it odd? Now, that's horrible to hear, isn't it? That's not something we hear. That's something Christians espouse. We don't espouse that. The reason we don't espouse it is because we love Because we're commanded to love. We'll that later. The point is this. The point is this. Islam absolutely abhors homosexuality or even the thought of it. What do they do to homosexuals? They find the tallest building. They tie a rope around their feet just slightly too short. Speaking, it, it, it sometimes will detach their legs from their body or their feet from their body. But either way, they break their neck and they die. That's the preferred way to kill homosexuals. Well, how about women? What, what if Seanism, we say, hey, you know what? These women that get raped, you know what we should do? We should kill them. We should burn them up to the middle of their chest. And we should line up, gather up a bunch of rocks. Let's tell the children, hey, children, we're going to have a stone in here. We need you to gather up some rocks for the big folks, and uh, then you hang around. You see what happens if you get raped. You that dastardly thing called rape. This is what's going to happen to you. And then we do that, and I say that, and I say this is how we do it in Shamanism. You rape. We hear that, and we say no, that that's not how we're to be. If somebody gets raped, that's not their fault. We go to them and comfort them. We we help them. We don't we don't throw stones at them till they die a horrible death. Guess what? Their intent with stonings, by the way, is not to kill you quickly and painlessly. It's to kill you slowly, painfully, so you learn your lesson. And oh, by the way, you still don't get to go to paradise. Kill the disbelievers wherever we find. The only reward of those who make war upon Allah and his messenger would be that they will be killed or crucified or have their hands and feet on alternate sides cut off or will be expelled out of the land. That's Sora 5, 
33. That's real deal, folks. It really does say cut the hands and feet off on alternate sides of the body. Man, can you imagine if Shaunism had that sort of thing in it? Well, we say, hey, folks, we don't want men going into our ladies' restrooms. And you're a bigot. And you're a racist. It's horrible. It's as though you said, hey, I'm in Shaunism, we're going to cut alternate hands and feet. We're going to skip sides, you know, go over the other so it's harder for you to get around. You're going to learn your lesson. All right, for fun, we'll read a couple more. Fight those who believe not in Allah nor the last day, nor hold that forbidden which hath been forbidden by Allah and his messenger, nor acknowledge the religion of truth, even if they are of the people of the book. Who are the people of the book? What's the people of the book? Jews, that's right. Ooh, yeah. We're going to hear a little something more about the Jews here in a little bit. Special relationship, special relationship. Even if they are the people of the book, until they pay the jizya with willing submission and feel themselves subdued. That's Surah 929. Now I said jizya. Jizya is a term that's a tax. You pay a tax for not being a Muslim. Well, guess what happens? You pay that tax, you keep your head down, you kind of shuffle around, kind of just take little glances here and there. Don't stare at don't see the person collecting the jizya or the other Muslims around because you're just a whatever, but not Muslim. Just pay your tax. This is how they work. This is what they do. Therefore, when you meet the unbelievers in fight, smite at their necks. At length, when you have thoroughly subdued them, find a bond firmly upon them. Thereafter is the time for either generosity or ransom. Surah 47.4. To a Muslim, guess what generosity is? You ready? You want to hear it? It's free of charge. No cost to you. Nothing extra. You don't have to pay a bit extra to hear this. Generosity is using a sharp knife to cut your neck off. Because the preferred method of removing your head from your body is a dull knife. But if they love you, I mean, as much as a person cutting your head off could love you, they'll use a sharp knife. That's generosity. So just so you understand, and before you go running around your neighborhood to all your Muslims, hey, thank you for being so generous to me. Maybe you should think about the true meaning of that. Well, here you go. Speaking of friends around your neighborhood, this is something that applies directly to you, or maybe not. Believers do not make friends with those who have incurred the wrath of Allah. That's Surah 60, 13. Who are those they're not supposed to uh, make friends with who have incurred the wrath of Allah? Infidels. infidels. Who do we say infidels are? Us. All of us. Remember Keith Ellison said, they and them. Keith Ellison said, you know, they won't stop. They're not going to stop, right? Keith Ellison said that. He's in Congress right now, the United States Congress representative from Minnesota. He was speaking to Muslims. Don't make friends with those who have incurred the wrath of Allah. That's a lot of people, according to Muslims. Here's another one just for fun. Never be a helper to the disbelievers. Never. Be a helper to the disbelievers, Surah 2086. Why do we think that these people are going to come to our land through immigration? God, I'll talk about that term in a second. Why do we think they're going to come in here and somehow or another, they're going to in some way help us or be kind to us? When a Muslim says, look, I just want to help. I just want to help my community. Let's go to London for a moment. Who is first mayor, right? How in the world... Did that happen? I'll tell you how it happened. Once they got to 7 to 13% Muslim population, it was all over. Because when a Muslim tells another Muslim, you absolutely will go vote, and guess who you're voting for? That's right. We're voting for Muhammad. Akbar. 
whatever. Whatever the Muslim is on the ballot, that's who you're voting for. Here's the problem with that. The other apathetic non-Muslims go, I'm busy. I've got to go get the donuts. You know, but I'm tired. I'm too busy from working hard. I'm not, I don't think people in London talk like that. I'm just saying. Maybe the Brooklyn section of London. So the people say, the people say, man, I don't have time. I can't do this. I'm busy. Only one problem with that. Every single Muslim, and believe you me, they registered a vote. When I was voting in the primary this last time, there were four Muslims in the voting area. Four Muslims. And one of them was working behind the desk. Don't think they don't get involved. Don't think they're not committed. Now, I want to ask you this. Do you feel like these verses are taken out of context? Does it feel like to you maybe I might have twisted the context just a little bit? I'll wait for an answer. The answer is no. Now, here's another question. Does it matter? Does it really matter if a politician swears in on a Quran in lieu of the Holy Bible? There's a question for you. Does it really matter? There's another question. Is it Islamophobic to be concerned about this? I guess finally, maybe the, the, the final question that I have to ask, is Islam a peaceful religion? You remember our president, remember um, prior to Barack Hussein Obama, we had a president who said, look, these are peaceful people. They just want to live. They just want to do their thing. We worship the same God. You know, we just, we want the same things. George W. Bush, right? He said that a lot until a preacher from the Black, Black Robe Regiment found his way to the White House and said, Mr. President, I need to school you a little bit on what Islam is and what Islam isn't. And then there and ever after, President Bush was very careful to try to avoid saying that we serve the same God and that they are a peaceful religion. He then began to say there are many peaceful people who are Muslims. Well, listen, you've probably heard this before. I'm probably not sharing anything new with you. If you have the internet in any way, shape, or form, you've probably heard this in some iteration, but I want to add answers for it. This is called all of a sudden, and uh, I want you to remember this term as, as I'm rattling these off to you because of time, we, you know, we, we don't have time to go real slow on it. Um, but the good thing is, is if you go to theninjapastor.com or you subscribe to blogtalkradio.com backslash theninjapastor, when you subscribe, you can go on and you can listen as many times as you want. And if you missed a piece, you could go back and listen to it. And you can also share it with your friends or on social media. That would be awesome. Yes, I would like that. So all of a sudden, I want you to remember this term, religious, political, and military, RPM. Where are my gearheads out there, right? My, my gearheads are talking about, mm, RPM, that. Revolutions per minute, I love that. Horsepower, we love it. Different thing altogether. But maybe I'll preach about that someday. I have wondered about this, and I, and I do have the answer. It is RPM. Do you ever wonder why no one, including Republicans and or conservatives, again, not mutually exclusive, just saying, uh, why have they never really tried to stop Barack Hussein Obama as an insidious agenda? Right, because now what just happened, we have this whole transgender thing, but this whole transgender thing, guess what? Now Barack Obama is using not only the Department of Justice and the Attorney General's office, Loretta Lynch, uh, to really put her the foot on the neck, the boot on the neck of the people of North Carolina. But also, also, this is important to know, 
The decrees that they've come down with, by the totally unconstitutional decrees, they've come down saying all public institutions will now be open to transgenders. Your bathroom will be open no matter what. Every school in the country now. So what they do? They didn't. They didn't stop and go. Wow, these Christians. They don't like the 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 transgenders and the men who just say today I feel very woman, or the woman who says today I feel very man. So let me say this: I'm as opposed to a woman coming into my restroom when I'm at a, a facility and I'm going into the restroom. I'm every bit as opposed as a to a woman coming in. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not a professional athlete anymore. Okay, no laugh, no nothing there. I know I I still got it. Uh, you know, I'm not a professional athlete, but I'm going to tell you, if I were a professional athlete, I wouldn't want a female reporter coming into the locker room where I'm showering and changing and using the restroom. I wouldn't want that. I've long said, I don't, I don't, it's not that I want to hold women back. I just want to hold you back from the door to the restroom. I don't want you in the restroom with me. We don't know each other like that. And even if we did, you still are not invited into the restroom. So we have the President of the United States, Barack Hussein Obama, and the Attorney General of the United States, and the head of the Department of Education saying, you know what? You don't like it? Guess what? Now the whole United States, you're going to have to adhere to this. And so what are they doing? They know it's illegal. But you know what else they know? They know that we're quiet. We're peaceful people. We're too easy going. We let stuff go. Well, you can't have to let stuff go when they're talking about letting people in the restroom. You say, well, what does that have to do with Islam? You'll see just in a second. Here we go. Before Obama, there was virtually no outlandish presence of Islam in America. R-P-M, religious, political, and military. All of a sudden, Islam is actively taught in public taxpayer-funded schools. Even incidental expressions or imperceptible hints of Christianity and the Bible are banned in schools and viewed as bigoted hate speech, RPM. Let me say this. Let me go back just a second. The folks that heard this speech on Thursday, if you're listening again now, I'm sorry I didn't throw this in. This is free of charge, no cost or obligation to you as well. You know when uh, this would stop, all of this mess, that uh, Barack Hussein Obama and, uh, and Loretta Lynch, Attorney General of the United States, if they going into a school saying, hey, you know what? You've got to make this LGBTQ uh, bathroom availability, whatever they say they feel they are. Let the Muslim raise a hand and say, uh-uh, no, you don't. You let one Muslim say, no, you're not coming in the restroom because men and women don't share a restroom. Men who, who want to be a woman, who start taking pills to look more like a woman or a really ugly woman, uh you don't belong in the restroom with me. And I'm going to have something to say about it. And then if you don't change it, I'm going to have something to do about it. Because there's this thing we have the Quran talking about the infidel smiting at the neck. I know how to do that. How do I know kids know how to do that? Listen, there's videos all over the place of children uh, acting out, cutting off somebody's head, committing jihad. So you let a Muslim you let a Muslim raise their hand or go home to their mom and their dad and say, guess what they're doing over to the school? You know what they're doing? They're, they're, they're saying now that a man can come into a woman's restroom, that a woman can go in a man's restroom, that a man who just feels very womanly today can go in the women's restroom. You better believe that that thing that was raised, that'd be enough. It wouldn't do it again. It wouldn't do it again. 
But Christians raising their hand and saying, hey, we're not for this. Listen, you don't even have to be a Christian. Just say, hey, I'm not for this. You can have an opinion. Do you feel comfortable? Do you feel happy? Do you feel eager to have someone of the opposite sex walk into the restroom where you're using the restroom? I don't. I'm just going to tell you right now. I said on my radio show on Monday, uh, Mondays 4 to 6, The Collision of Faith and Politics with the Ninja Minister. I said on that show a few weeks ago, I said, listen, I cannot believe we're having this discussion in the United States of America. In three weeks since I did that show, I can actually believe it now. Because we're so peaceful and so nice. You say, well, Christians are supposed to be nice and peaceful. Christians are supposed to be all pursed lips. Well, you know, the government, we subject to the government. Lower puts people in charge. That's what we have to do. We just have to do whatever they say. No, because if they foist something ungodly upon you, unscriptural upon you, something that violates your faith, guess like the Muslims, we're to rise up and say, oh, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. And no, you won't. We won't stand for it. We will not stand for it. Anyway, I chased a rabbit through a backyard on that one. All of a sudden, we must allow prayer rugs everywhere and allow for Islamic prayer in schools, airports, and businesses. Wait a second. That ties right in with what I just said. $750,000 was just spent. Almost a million dollars was spent on a special room, an airport very close to where we are right now, so that Muslims traveling through the airport and Muslims working in the airport would have a special un- sullied, ceremonially clean room in which to pray and to worship and to commiserate. What's that? Uh, there's one in Baltimore. There's, one, there's been one in Baltimore. But Philadelphia, and now uh, Dulles, and, uh, and Orlando. There's a big one in Orlando. It's supposed to be the most expensive one made. Is there a bathroom there? Well, they have bathrooms. Guess what else? This is just for fun. This is free of charge. They have bathrooms. You know how... Here you go. This would just be fun for you. You know how they have a common entrance? Go right, go to the boys, go left, go to the girls. you got to pay attention, though. Sometimes they'll trip you up. Sometimes go left for the boys, go right for the girls. You have to really read. When you're rushing off to, you know, try to get to your plane, you'd be in a hurry, end up in the wrong restroom. Oh, wait a second. That's not a problem anymore because you can go anywhere you want. If you get stopped by somebody, say, hey, don't be a hater. Don't be a bigot. I feel very pretty today. I'm wearing, I'm told this is blue. This is blue. This is blue, right? Because I, sometimes people mess with me and they tell me a color. I'll say, what color do you think it is? And I'll say, I think it's blue. And they'll say, yeah, it's blue. Um, you know how that is. Anyway, that happens to me. So now, guess what? In, in Islam, you cannot have a common entrance to a restroom, left or right. Why? Because they're coming out. Women are coming out. Women are very dirty. Now, if you've seen many Muslim women, women are very dirty. Uh, and they can't come from using the restroom, a very dirty thing. Women are just dirty anyway, uh, you know, according to Islam. They can't come out because what could happen? You look this way, he looks this way, he sees you just leaving. What has to happen? You have to be foot washed, you have to all this different thing, hand washing, all this, all this mess has to happen, and you can't have any contact, even if you're related to them. No contact whatsoever. So what if this woman is walking out, you know, and... Uh, Maybe she's worrying about getting stoned in her home country for getting raped. She gets raped, so she's her head down, trying not to get in any trouble, not to have any, like sexy looks through her birth little thing. She bumps into another Muslim. What happens? Oh, you bumped into me. Now it's we on like Donkey Kong. Uh, you know, somebody's got to go get washed. It's trouble. It's trouble. 
So schools, airports, and businesses, all of a sudden, we have to make allowances for them. Let a Christian say, hey, I need a little extra time. I need a little space. I need a little quiet time to pray in the morning. I just want to pray. I want to have my Bible out on my desk during, you know, uh, what do they call it? Homeroom. During homeroom, I just want to read my little Bible here, and, and I just want to pray for a minute. I'm going to pray out loud. Everybody doesn't have to pray with me. I just want to pray by myself, pray, and then read some scriptures. Well, no, I'm sorry you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't have your Bible openly out like that. That's that's wrong. Lots of lawsuits going on all across the country right now. You look at me like, that can't be. Yes, it's absolutely happening. Yeah, yeah, I know you did because you're a troublemaker. That's what I'm talking about. Retired teachers, look out. Retired educators, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to use the term educator because it's no longer teachers. Also, a message about why we're calling an educator, not a teacher. All of a sudden, we must stop serving poor. In prison. Where's the where? Now let me just give you this. Let me. This is free too. You get a lot of free stuff. You're going home with a lot of free stuff. And there's some donuts over there, little donut holes. You can take them home too. That'd be a, like an extra prize. Why do you think prisons are a place where they would do away with pork right away? Because the number one recruiting ground for Muslim, for Islam, the United States of America, is prisons. Why? Because black people are disaffected, not just black people anymore. They did. They went the black route early on, and then they're, they're branching out. They're even reaching out to Hispanics now and Europeans. Disaffected, it's an easy crowd. Hey, man, you want to belong? You want to be something important? You want to do something that matters? You want to really stick it to the man? Guess what? You need to join Islam. Tell you what else? They'll let you grow. Religious exemption, religious, political and military. They'll let you grow a beard. They'll let you wear a kufi, little hat. They'll let you do that. Super cool. You can be one of us. Prisons. Let's stop serving pork in prisons. Hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of loss to the pork industry. The pork industry helped almost subsidize the prison system because they were able to provide inexpensive meat, protein, for the prisoners. And now that's gone. All of a sudden, we are inundated with lawsuits by Muslims who are offended by American culture. That's religious, that's political, and that's military. All of a sudden, we must allow burqas to be worn everywhere, even though you have no idea who or what is covered up underneath them. In California, there's a big fight. A big fight, the Department of Motor Vehicles. People were getting their pictures taken wearing a burqa, wearing a hijab. Burqa, you know, uh, the more strict you are, the more covered you are. So you have a little license. They were issuing driver's licenses. They don't even know who's standing in front of them. They want to do that in Delaware. Believe it or not, Maryland is already working on that. They want an alternate form of ID. That's what they want. All of a sudden, Muslims are suing employers and refusing to do their job if they personally deem it conflicts with Sharia law. It's like the liquor truck driver. When he took the job, what's he do? He gets job there. He gets through his probationary period, and then he says, you know, this is wrong. You're forcing me to drive this liquor truck. As a Muslim, I can't be forced to touch it. So you're going to have to compensate me. And guess what? He won. All of a sudden, the Attorney General of the United States vows to prosecute anyone who engages in anti-Muslim, which I guess they're coming 
for me. All of a sudden, Loretta Lynch, she took the mantle from Eric Holder, and she amped it up. She doubled down. She tripled down, folks. Sad thing about it is nobody. You know why? They're not afraid of us. They have no fear of us at all. They have no respect for us at all. Anti-Muslim speech. Hey, don't smite me at my neck. Well, you're talking about my religion. You're talking bad about my religion. You can't do that. That's anti-Muslim speech. All of us who engage terrorism and openly admit that they acted in the name of Islam and ISIS are emphatically declared. This is not Islamic. No. Our leaders are saying, no, 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 this is an act of Islam. This is not some sort of jihad. This is not terrorism. No, this was workplace violence that happened here. Uh, some people said they were saying Allahu Akbar, but that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that this was Islamic in nature or terrorism even. They could just be mad. Maybe they got mistreated. We should investigate that. Oh, and by the way, we should take away everybody's guns. San Bernardino would never happen if we didn't just put these guns in these hands of these folks. I did a show uh, several months ago about uh, Barack Obama actually said there's actually vans that drive around, funded by the NRA, that drive around neighborhoods, uh, disenfranchised and underserved neighborhoods, and they drop off piles of guns. They just open up the door and push these guns out, and that's how people are getting these guns, these gang members and stuff. It's it's the white NRA that's doing this. Well, here's my thing. Somebody show me that van so I can follow it and clean up after it. Yeah. I'm just saying I want to help the community. I want to get the guns off the street and into my house. That's all I'm saying. I'm trying to help. But this is what's happening. All of a sudden, it becomes policy that secular Middle East dictators that were benign or friendly to the West, oh, we've got to replace them. You know, you can say all you want uh, about uh, Muhammad Qaddafi. You can say all you want about him. Bad guy. Easily a bad guy. But you know what? When we told Muhammad, you don't get rid of your uh, weapons stores. You don't get rid of your weapons of mass destruction. You don't get rid of that and start dealing with us fairly. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to take a couple of these laser-guided bombs, and we're going to drop one on you. And oh, by the way, three, two, one. He lost one of his one of his relatives in a bombing. You still there? You know how we did that just then? We can move that to where you are right now, which is right there. It said right where he was. After that, he's like, I'm good. I'm good. We get rid of everything. America good. You know? And then what happens? This administration gets in and says, oh, no, he's got to go. And then what happens? The vacuum is filled by ISIS, Muslim Brotherhood. We do the same thing in Egypt. We do the same thing in Syria. Oh, we can't get along with these guys. The Arab Spring, right? Everything happens. We've got to get rid of them. We've got to get them out of here. Religious, political, and military. All of a sudden, our troops are withdrawn from Iraq and the Middle East, giving rise to ISIS. Religious, political, and military. All of a sudden, America has reduced its nuclear stockpiles to 1950 levels as Obama's stated goal. I don't know if this is Hussein Obama's stated goal. By the end of his tenure, he wants a nuclear weapon-free America. He says, by the time I leave office, I want no nuclear America. All of a sudden, the deal with Iran must be made at any cost. With a pathway to nuclear weapons 
and hundreds of billions of dollars handed over to fund their programs. But do you understand? Do you understand? This is not just a dumb guy and John Kerry going over there and, well, I don't know. I think we've got a good negotiation here. They asked for this, and I gave them more. I asked for this, and they didn't give me any. We're good. We've talked to them, so they're not going to kill us with nukes. That's how it works. No, it doesn't work that way at all. But yet we, we did this. We allowed it. All of a sudden, America apologizes to Muslim states and sponsors of terror worldwide for acts of aggression, war, and sabotage. They perpetrate against our soldiers. You've got to be kidding me when an American soldier intervenes in a boy being raped and going to be murdered by a Muslim man. And he intervenes and he saves the kid's life, keeps him from being raped, punches the guy a few times, slaps him around a little bit, maybe calls him some American names, hurtful names, give him a pink bully shirt, anti-bullying shirt. This guy is courts martial, but thank God he's, he's preserved. He's going to be allowed to stay in the military. The fact that that would even be brought up. There was a time where that dude would eat a lead salad. From about 600 yards at a high rate of speed. His cranium would be ventilated for trying to rape a little boy. And if you think it was hidden, the guy's hidden away in some hidden away place, no, he's in the street. But we apologize. All of a sudden, the American Navy, this hits home for me, is diminished to 1917. Pre-World War I levels of only 300 ships. Folks, I served in a 600 ship under President Ronald Reagan. 600, we're now at below 300 ships in our Navy. The Army, lest you think I'm just all Navy, no Army, go Navy, beat Army. The Army is at pre-1940 levels. The Air Force scrapped immediately upon Barack Hussein Obama coming into office. He ordered the scrapping of over 500 planes, just arbitrarily. Off you go. Not cannibalized, not saved up. Hey, let's create an inventory list here where we can share parts with the older planes that are still in service. Let's get rid of them, scrap them, ruin them. And you all have heard about the A-10 Warthog, right? The Thunderbolt, the Warthog. Uh, this is a close air support fighter. It's really a tank it's a tank killer. It's a dastardly looking aircraft, and it's extremely effective in the desert. So because it's extremely effective in the desert, whoa, we got to get that thing out of the skies. we got to retire this thing, Barack Hussein Obama says, and he almost was successful. But finally, the military leaders spoke up. And you know what? I had to say, many of them have lost their jobs. Many of them have gotten in big trouble. What well, doesn't stop there. Further drawdown of another 40,000 military Personnel, more than 40,000 now, is in progress. All of a sudden, half of our aircraft carriers are recalled for maintenance by Barack Hussein Obama, rendering the entire Atlantic unguarded. And none, no aircraft carriers at all in the Middle East. All of a sudden, Obama has to empty Guantanamo Bay of captured jihadists and let them loose in jihad-friendly Islamic states. He demands to close the facility. Man, I've got to ask you something. What better facility than on the island of Cuba? 
shark-infested waters all the way around. Land we have controlled for quite some time, Guantanamo Bay, close it down. It's abhorrent to who we are as Americans, he says. How would he know how Americans are? All of a sudden, America will negotiate with terrorists and trade five Taliban commanders for a deserter and jihad sympathizer. That's right, Bo Bergdahl. I know people personally who lost family members looking for him. And they kept waving the flag on, hey, wait a second, this dude is not this dude was not taken prisoner. He left. And he is he is a uh, Muslim sympathizer. He he's cavorting with the enemy. And we set up this sham with supposedly uh Delta Force. Look, I know Delta Force guys. I've worked with Delta Force guys. Those guys don't play around. You ever see the landing of that aircraft? I did a couple speeches on that. They're on the ninjapastor.com. If you go over there and you find all the recordings and stuff, it's all free. Then I talk about how this was a sham. This is absolutely not true. Just just from a pure, uh, they're flying in. They're totally exposed, totally exposed. Hey, how y'all? What y'all doing up there? Come on in, land, land. Right? They're lined up. They've got uh, surface-to-air. Pointing at the helicopters. And you've got guys getting off the helicopters. We're going to get Go Birdo. He's so good. He's such a good guy. Oh, we get to we get to give you all these bad prisoners for this deserter. Woohoo. And then they turn their backs on people. They allow them to film it. And then they walk to the aircraft. They don't pat Bo Bergdahl down for explosives. Not one time. Not one time. There was no close air support. Things went south that we could take some regulate, some corrective action, we'll say. That wasn't, folks, I'm here to tell you, if you believe that was Delta Force, <laughs> I got some ocean property in Arizona to sell you. See, now it made me mad. All of a sudden, oh, this is going to help. All of a sudden, there is no money for the American poor or disabled veterans or jobless Americans, hungry Americans or displaced Americans. But there's an endless supply. Look, we got to cut the military's pay. We have to cut Social Security. Oh, we got to do something about Social Security. But we got all kind of money for the Syrian refugee resettlement program under Barack Hussein Obama. Listen, folks, this is not a, a and I'll, this, I also do two shows on this. A great, uh, Charles Simpson, uh, great, great expert on the refugee resettlement, what it really is, immigration jihad. You can also, um, uh, Stackelbeck, Eric Stackelbeck was on the show. You've got to listen to that show, too. We talk a lot about immigration jihad, how it's happening. Anyway, uh, all of a sudden, see, if I don't if I don't get going, I'm just going to get mad and go off. All of a now, see, now, see, now y'all done what made me mad. All of a sudden, there's an ammunition shortage in the United States of America, but the government has all the bullets they need. They get billions of rounds. Does it worry you a little bit that the IRS needs that many rounds of hollow points? High velocity rounds that aren't used for training? Does it worry you? It worries me. All of a sudden, the most important thing. Meanwhile, by the way, Navy SEALs are sharing rifles. Guy gets off the heel as he comes in, or the C-130, or the C-5, whatever the vehicle, whatever the uh, transport is, and the, and the SEAL comes off with this platoon. He's rotating back to the United States. 
for a little bit. Another SEAL is coming from uh, training and spool up to, you know, preparedness, trying to get ready to get on this plane to fly over there, and they hand off the rifle. Here you go, buddy. There's a little dirt in there. Sorry. Because we don't have enough rifles for Navy SEALs. All of a sudden, another important thing for Obama to do after yet another mass shooting by two jihadists. Now, you remember this one, San Bernardino. First thing he says is, look, we got to get guns out of the hands of American people. All of a sudden, the President of the United States cannot attend Christian funerals of a Supreme Court justice and a former First Lady because of previous engagements. Being with world leaders, right? Hitting the golf ball. And what else did he do? Oh, a fundraiser. Let me say this. By his fruits. The Bible says, by his fruits, you will know him. All of a sudden, are you sick to your stomach? A couple questions for you. I've asked a bunch of questions, and so far nobody's answering. Can a good Muslim be a good American? Takiyah. that's right. We're going to speak about that in a minute. Can a good Muslim be a good Delawarean or a Virginian or Ohioan or Arizonian or New Yorker? Whatever state you're listening from, can they be? Listen, let's take it a step further. Never mind Delaware, never mind the United States. How about the Western world? Can a Muslim, can a good Muslim, can a good Muslim, there's some vibrant stuff going on in chat, by the way. Y'all, this is wild. Uh, <laughs> these folks are smart people, too. They know you're not getting over on them. Can, can, can a good Muslim fit in in the United States? They can't fit in there. They can't. How about the Western world? Can they? How about no? How about no? The question was for to me, this, this question I'm going to give you by a friend who said, look, I have Muslim friends. Uh, they seem peaceful and nice. And by the way, the news, all the news, ABC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, they say Muslims are nice and that we're racist and bigoted if we say anything otherwise. Oh, and even the president, Barack Hussein Obama, says they're peaceful. Muslims are peaceful. Therefore, I know Muslims are mostly, for the most part, almost all of them are nice. Now, look, for perspective for you, and you, the live audience knows this, but the people around the world, they don't, they don't know about me, but I've been an intense studier of Islam in the real world since 1983 and in academia at the doctorate level. You've seen this, Pastor, I add some stuff to it. The following is my reply, but not unlike many others with relevant experience in true Islam. Can Muslims, good Muslims, assimilate? Can they be good Americans? Can they be good in the Western world? Theologically, no. Because his allegiance is to Allah, the moon god of Arabia. Primary prophet is named Muhammad, a psychopath, illiterate, murdering pedophile who made up this imageless fantasy god who commanded his followers and all of his followers to do the same. How about religiously? Can, they, can a good Muslim fit in? No, uh, religiously they cannot. Because no religion is accepted by his Allah except Islam. That's the Quran, 2, 256. Scripturally? No, they cannot, because his allegiance is to the five pillars of Islam in the Quran. Geographically, no, because they have to turn toward Mecca five times a day. That's where he has to pray. How about socially? No, they cannot. It says not to be friends. It says not to be friends, but you know they may pretend to be your friend. His allegiance, a good Muslim's allegiance, is to Islam, and that forbids him to make true friends with Christians or Jews. You're familiar with takiyah. We've said that term multiple times. Takiyah literally means and caution. It's a form of Islamic dissimulation or a legal dispensation whereby a believing individual can deny their faith 
or commit otherwise illegal or even blasphemous acts while they are in fear or at risk of significant persecution at the hands of the infidel. I can pretend. If I'm a good Muslim, I can say, oh, Muslim, no, 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 Christian, Christian. How do you do? You know, until they gain enough force, until they gain the upper hand, and then they take the upper hand. They go along to get along until you get the upper hand and then take over. For more on lying Islam, I, I think this is important. I wasn't going to include this, but I'm going to. Let's look at a little bit about what their Supreme Council says what jihad is. Jihad, holy war, right? This is what we say. This is verbatim what they say. The Arabic word jihad is often translated as holy war. But in a purely, now this is the, let me just say this again. This is the Supreme Council. The Islamic Supreme Council of the United States. They're wanting to clear a few things up. We may be misunderstanding a little bit about what's going on. And we're being kind of mean to the Muslims. So this is what this is what they say it is. The Arabic word jihad is often translated as holy war. But in a purely linguistic sense, the word jihad means struggling or striving. The Arabic word for war isn't jihad. It's halharb. They're not even the same words. In a religious sense, as described by the Quran and the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad, jihad has many meanings. It can refer to internal as well as external efforts to be a good Muslim or a believer. Well, wait a second. A little bit ago, the surahs were saying, I've got to smite at the neck of the unbeliever. i got to smite at the neck of the infidel. I, I can't go get along with the Jews, the people of the book. I can't get along with them. I can't get along with the Christians. Well, are you crazy? No, I don't want to be that. That's a bad Muslim. This is going to crack you up. Takya, lying for the benefit of Islam. If military jihad is required to protect the faith against others, it can be performed against, performed using anything from legal, diplomatic, and economic to political means. Religious, political, and military. If there is no peaceful alternative, Islam also allows the use of force. But the use of force. But there's strict rules of engagement, innocence, such as women or invalids must never be harmed and any peaceful overtures from the enemy must be accepted. The problem with that, let's just be clear here, innocence isn't always described as women, children, or invalids. Guess what? Invalids. Guess why? Because if you dying in service to Islam, if that happens, guess what? You're not a woman, a child, or an invalid. You're a jihadist. You are in it for jihad. You're part of the fight. Man, you're in it. You're giving it. You you fighting for Islam. We gotta. You're innocent. No, you're a warrior. Maybe Iran will send you some money after you die. The ones we gave 150. How many? 150. How many dollars? Oh, sorry, billion with a B. Military action is therefore only one mean of means of jihad, and is very rare. Right? Military action. Very rare with those Muslims. Very rare. There's very little cutting off of heads and uh, drowning live people, setting living human beings on fire and filming it and putting it to music. There's very little lining up people within the other side of the, the sea from Greece and cutting their heads off and filling the water full of blood. Very little of that. Very little. Very little. Muhammad... Prophet Muhammad told his followers returning from a military campaign, this day we have returned from the minor jihad to the major jihad, which he said meant returning from armed battle to the peaceful battle for, you know, better self-control. 
betterment, personal strength, self-control. Anyway, look, they say the concept of just war is very important. Look, we can't just, you know, we, we can't just go hot on somebody willy-nilly, Al Harb. We can't do that. No, it's got to be a bunch of people meeting. We've got to have a bunch of people. We've got to have imams, and we've got to have scholars and all this stuff. We've got to get together and meet. This is what we've got to do. And then if we all agree, yep, it's time for war, then it's a just war if we all agree. And then he goes on to say, this is, this is the Supreme Council of Islam, the United States of America. The concept of jihad has been hijacked. <gasps> We've heard that term as it relates to jihad uh, or uh, Islam before. You know, usually we're thinking of planes. By many political and religious groups over the ages in a bid to justify various forms of violence. In most cases, Islamic splinter groups invoke jihad to fight against the established Islamic order. Scholars say this misuse of jihad contradicts Islam. Contradicts it. We don't like it. We're not for that. Now, I want to ask a quick question. If we use their math, if we use their math to say 1%, they say only 1% is extremist. Only 1% subscribes to that stuff we're talking about. Only 1%? What are we, what are we fussing over? That number figures out to be 300 million people. 300 million. How many do you think we have in the Army right now? Not 300 million. How many do you think we have in the Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, Marines, Merchant Marines? Not 300 million. How many do we have in the United States of America? 330 million. 330 million. Do you all get the numbers now? I mean, I'm not even certified as competent in mathematics, and I know, and I know that we're outnumbered. And then, of course, he mentions the the Islamic Supreme Council mentions examples of sanctioned military jihad included the Muslims' defensive battles against the Crusaders in medieval times, using medieval weapons, and before that, some responses by Muslims against and Persian attacks attacks during the period of the early Islamic conquest. Now, how do those go together? Islamic conquest, we were attacked. We, we were attacked during our conquest. You, you note the contradiction there. And then he says, look, jihad is not a violent concept. It's not a declaration of war against other religions. What was that I said? Uh, people of the book, you can't associate with people of the book. You got to kill them. Uh, you, know, you just can't do it. You can't be at home with them. You got to smite at their necks. I don't know, folks. Contradictory? Let me ask you something. Does it feel like our CIA and our FBI might ought to read this? Does it feel like our Department of Homeland Security might ought to read this, written by a Muslim? Well, that's just one guy. I don't know. He's just the supreme guy in America. And he wrote this to say, hey, we're nice. Don't be mean. We're nice people. We're not going to smite you at the neck with a blade yet. Come on, give me a hug. Stretch out your neck. Beautiful neck. Look, I'm going to say this. Finish up with this. Warfare in the name of God is not unique to Islam. Other faiths of, throughout the world have waged war with religious <clears throat> justifications. Wow, isn't that special? He just said, hey, other religions have had wars because of faith. We're not so bad. 
Can they, can they assimilate politically in the West? No, they cannot. Why? Because in order to do that, a Muslim would have to submit to mullahs, right? That's what they do, the spiritual leaders, the imams, the mullahs. They teach the annihilation of Israel and destruction of America, the great Satan. While we're making this great deal, and this is my air quotes for silly, while we're making this great deal with Iran, giving them $150 billion, giving them nukes, giving them a pathway to a nuclear weapon, which they have said all along, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get it, and then we're going to lob it over. First, we're going to Israel. We're going to blow them to bits. We're going to drive them into the sea. And then that, guess what we're going to do? We're going to go after the great Satan in America. That's what we're going to do. The same time those deals were being aimed, even the, the highest religious guy in Iran was saying, this is what we're going to do. Do you believe? Boom. We're going to bomb America. We're going to bomb Israel. What? End of world. End of world. And they're dead serious. People are on the streets of Iran waving flags that are on fire. Did I mention they're American flags? Burning. Signs that say in English and in Arabic, death to America. Or the ink's not even dry. How about domestically? Listen, they can't get along in the West because domestically they can't get along because he's instructed to marry at least four women and beat and scourge his wife when she disobeys him. That's Quran 434. Well, I know why they're so mad all the time. They got four wives. <laughs> Intellectually? No, they can't get along because he can't accept the American Constitution. A good Muslim can't accept the American Constitution since it's based on biblical principles. And look, make no mistake about it. The Muslim believes that our our Constitution and our Bible are corrupt. How about philosophically, can they get along? No, they cannot, because Islam, Muhammad, and the Quran do not allow freedom of religion and expression. Democracy and Islam cannot coexist. Every Muslim government is either dictatorial or autocratic. How about spiritually? Look, we declare one nation under God. The Christian's God is loving and kind, while Allah is never referred to as either loving or kind. How about spiritually? How about spiritually, folks? Did you hear what I just read? You can't, right? Their God is never described as loving or kind. Why? Because that would be weak. Let's go back to Keith Ellison, just for fun. You know, swearing in on the, the whole Quran thing. The great William Federer mentioned to my radio audience, this was, I don't know how many weeks ago, this maybe a couple months ago, he mentioned to the radio audience that a few facts that made the radio audience, this is what I got the most letters, in one week, 10,000 letters. I went from 29,000 unread emails to 59,000 unread emails in one week. I'm trying to I'm better. When the first Muslim American was recently elected to Congress, he took the oath and the Constitution using the Holy Quran. Who said that? Barack Hussein Obama, Brian Keith Ellison. He was standing in Cairo, Egypt, June 4, 2009, to an entirely Muslim audience. The dilemma is, can one swear to defend the Constitution upon a book that claims to be superior to it? Remember this. Look, we're in Delaware right now. Delaware has a Constitution, too. Can Muslims swear to uphold 
uphold and defend the Delaware Constitution? Mm, I don't think so. But let's go through the Constitution really fast because we're almost out of time. First Amendment to the United States Constitution states that Congress shall make no law prohibiting the free exercise of religion. Yet Muhammad said, whoever changes his Islamic faith, kill him. And the Sadith Sahih al-Bukhari, volume, volume 9, book 84, I'm set wrong. I don't want you going home and looking that up in your, in your Hadith Sahih al-Bukhari, volume 9. It's in volume 9, book 84, number 57. Islamic law relegates non-Muslims to demi status, where they are not to propagate their customs among Muslims and cannot display a cross or a star of David. Do you remember when Barack Hussein Obama went to the great Notre Dame? Gave a speech. And he said, remove all crosses or religious symbols before the speech, and anything that you cannot remove, cover with a black cloth. And guess what? The great university of Notre Dame did that. They folded. They removed and they covered whatever they couldn't remove. You see, that means a lot in Islam. He was sending a message. Catholic University. But I'm not of them. And look, look around. I made them remove all of their symbols because it might offend you. The First Amendment states that Congress shall not abridge the freedom of speech. Islamic law enforces demi status on Muslims. Prohibiting them from observing religious practices publicly, raising their voices during prayer. Folks, if you want to pray and you get slain in the spirit, guess what's going to happen if you raise your voice? A Muslim that lives next door or might be walking by can say, oh, no, 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 there'll be none of that. Guess what else you can't do? You can't ring church bells all across America. You better shut your church bells off. You better not say anything considered insulting to Islam. Heck, folks, you can't even draw a cartoon. They start cutting up people, shooting people. First Amendment states that Congress cannot take away the right of the people to peaceably assemble, yet Islamic law states non-Muslims cannot repair places of worship or build new ones. Non-Muslims cannot repair places of worship or build new ones. They must allow Muslims to participate in their private meetings. You know what? You understand that Sharia law says that if a Muslim comes in and says, this is a place of worship, you have a private meeting, guess what? I'm coming in, and you're going to listen. And you know what else? You're not going to say all this stuff about Christians and Jews and the Bible and Constitution. You're not going to say all that because I'm Muslim, and you're not allowed to do that. Guess what else they can't do? Christians can't bring their dead near the graveyards of Muslims or mourn their dead loudly. Look, don't let yourself cry over grandma or grandpa or mom or dad. Don't cry over them. At least keep it to yourself because that's offensive to Muslims. First Amendment states that Congress cannot take away the right of the people to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Islamic law states that non-Muslims are not to harbor any hostility toward the Islamic State or give comfort to those who disagree with the Islamic government. Second Amendment, one of my favorites, who it's my favorite, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Yet Islamic law states non-Muslims possess arms, swords, weapons of any kind. It at all disconcerting that the President of the United States, Barack Hussein, seems to be possessed, possessed with the desire to take every gun out of the hands and out of the homes 
of good American citizens as quickly as you possibly can. You understand, Muslims say that non-Muslims, non-Muslims can't possess arms, swords, or weapons of any kind. Do you understand what that means? That means they want you disarmed. They want you weaponless. They want you, somebody just said, defenseless. What happens when that happens? If the government is behaving the way that they are now toward Christians, listen, no mistake, folks, Barack Hussein Obama and his administration is the most anti-Christian, anti-Jew, pro-administration in the history of this country. Here's one, and I'll probably have to end on this because we're just about out of time. The Third Amendment states that we cannot be forced forward on one Yet Islamic law states that non-Muslims must entertain and feed for three days any Muslim who wants to stay in their home. And for a longer period, if the Muslim falls ill, they cannot prevent travelers from staying in their places of worship. How about the Fourth Amendment? The Fourth Amendment guarantees the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures. The Islamic law states that if a non-Muslim rides on a horse with a saddle and bridle, the horse can be taken away from the non-Muslim. Do you understand this? The Fifth Amendment states that no person shall be held to answer for capital or otherwise infamous crime without due process of law. Yet Muhammad himself said no Muslim should be killed for killing a kafir, which is an infidel. That's from the Hadith Sahih al-Bukhari, volume 9, number 50. In other words, you know what? Killing a non-Muslim is not a crime. Folks, you understand, this is real. This is real. How about Surah 24? I mentioned rape and a woman getting stoned for being raped. And other punishments. Surah 24, too, a woman who has been raped is also punished. With a hundred stripes. Folks, help me understand this. Can you help me understand how in this country, in this time, how is it that the LGBT crowd, the feminist crowd, is so silent on Islam when in fact the LGBT feminist crowd are the first ones to die? They're not killing them yet. You know why? Because they're standing there with signs in the street saying, I love Muslims. I'm gay and I love Muslims. And the jihadi is looking at the other jihadi going, look, don't kill them yet. Stupid. They're ignorant. Wait to them because they're fighting for us. Then you get... How about slavery? 13th Amendment says we can't have slaves. But guess what? Muhammad himself owned thousands of slaves. And you know what? Really interesting to me. You talk about the 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 uh, progressives, you know, always crying about slavery and all this stuff. The only place in the world and the only people in the world perpetrating slavery upon the world are Muslims. Look, I, I've run out of time. I gave this speech and uh, I don't know how I did it as fast as I did before, but you guys kept interrupting me with all the questions and stuff. Um, maybe what I'll, I'll do. 
not really. The audience at home is going, I didn't hear that. Maybe what I'll do is tell you what let's do. What I'm going to do is I, I'm going to finish this up maybe next week. And tomorrow I'm going to talk about this on the show and elaborate a little bit. But I'm, I'm going to share with something that I really struggled with, whether or not I was going to share it. And that is uh, I just recently had a, project, a doctoral project uh, for one course. It was 87 pages and 17,000 words. It's finished, finished it, submitted it, got a grade. And uh, yes, it was an A, if you were asking. <laughs> so anyway, that's a Greek, right? Hebrews were like, did you learn anything? The Greeks are like, I got an A. Um, but anyway, I'm going to share with you part of that paper. And uh, I had to write on Islam, Christianity. Well, I didn't have to. Uh, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. So maybe we'll do that next time, also tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, and we'll talk about we will talk about this same stuff and some other stuff. And by the way, in a week or two, we're going to have a very special guest on the show. And he's going to tell you about some big changes in his life, his family's life, and, and his uh, public life. All right, don't kiss my arm. It's Dave Bray. We're going to talk about some cool stuff. We'll be real hyped about what he's up to and what his family's up to. It's really, really cool stuff. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm sorry I rambled on. No, I'm not sorry. That's what I do. And uh, if you want to hear me ramble some more, uh, don't just listen in by yourself tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tell your friends. Thank you and God bless. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor and follow dr sean on twitter at the ninja pastor and on facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash god in country radio and check out all the free messages archive shows and buy dr sean's critically acclaimed book excellence killed the church how mediocrity is destroying america at www drshawngreener.com Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.